brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Podcast. I am Jason, and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello. How are things? Uh, things are good. Enjoying the yeah. playoffs. It's been a crazy playoff season. Crazy, crazy playoff season. And actually, yeah. you know, as of this recording, we're recording this the night after, we almost had a new, a new addition uh, to this thing that we were going to talk about here. We uh, are obviously talking about uh, playoff buzzer beaters, and uh, I was keenly watching the, the Nets-Bucks uh, series and saying, or the, the right. Game 7 and thinking, oh man, this looks like the type of game where we'd have a, player, a buzzer beater. Uh, we got real close. We got a foot right. and about 1.1 second away from adding a new entry uh, to this uh, series, but uh, it ended up not happening. But uh, yeah, what a, what a playoffs it's been so far. Yeah, some exciting series uh, going on. Yeah, maybe we will add to this list after we, you know, uh, as the playoffs advance, we're nearly through the second round as we're recording this. Um But yeah, so we decided to dig into the history of uh, NBA buzzer beaters a little bit. Uh, There's a great uh, list at basketballreference.com. We'll, of course, include the link to that in the show notes for those brews. We're going to focus on ones that ended up uh, clinching a playoff series. So we're going to split this up into two parts. Uh, We're going to talk about the early rounds here, get into the later rounds in our part two. But uh, so I think this will be a fun topic, some uh, exciting things. I mean, I, it's hard to imagine anything in sports beating a, you know, buzzer beating playoff series win. I mean, you know, the, yeah, there's, there's, you know, it, it, I guess it can happen in other, other sports, you know, game winning home run or, you know, last second touchdown or whatever, but there's, you know, obviously we are the, you know, NBA fans. We, that's the sport that we love the most. And it's just, it's really hard to beat just the energy that comes from the players and the crowd and everybody, you know, w- when that happens. Yeah, there's something special about a you know a playoff buzzer beater uh, that I think beats even like a walk off home run or whatever, and and those are great. I mean, those are you know I've been in 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 the building for like you know walk off playoff you know home or you know like baseball you know not not necessarily World Series but like you know some playoff walk off hits or walk off home runs or whatever, and it's it's a pretty incredible thing. It's pretty awesome to be, but there is something like you said about that entire arena, just everybody 100 percent focused on one player it's usually like a one-on-one thing it's usually one guy coming down to do something or it's usually there's just something special about the the nba playoff buzzer beaters i, I don't know why it it, yeah. it probably is my bias well, towards basketball but it's just i don't know there's just something incredible about them yeah well it can come from anywhere you know where you know in baseball you know it's going to be you know the hitter is going to is going to either do it or not do it you know right and, exactly and in football it's you know the quarterback's going to be involved um for the you know 95 percent of the time uh, but you know, basketball, you know, like anybody, you know, Derek McKee. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about Derek McKee here in a bit. Yes. Even Derek right. McKee. Yeah, yeah I- I- exactly. So, um, yeah, I-, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, it- it's pretty incredible. Like, like we said, so, um, yeah. Shall we dive into it? Let's do it. All right. So yeah, the, the first one we'll talk about Derek McKee. This is, um, May 5th. Is that why you I- mentioned him? What about, oh, <laughs> what Man, you're, a, good, yeah. you're good at this. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Rich. I appreciate that. <laughs> You know, yeah, we had some practice on this. Um, 
May 5th, 1989, a playoff series between the Houston Rockets and the Seattle Supersonics. Do you remember them, Seattle Supersonics? Uh, I do. I do. I hope to yeah. uh, I hope to maybe remember them again uh, sometime soon. But, uh, yeah, I do remember Someday. the Seattle Supersonics. Yeah, this right. is, a, uh, this is this, the weird, like, can you believe there was a period, like, late 80s, early 90s, pre-Kemp and Peyton Sonics that are like, yeah, they were like pretty, they were like okay too. You know what I mean? Like they yeah, were, it right. was, like yeah. you think that it's like, oh, they saved this franchise, and it's like they're they're good. They're just you know, then they would get yeah. Kevin Payton, then they'd be really really good. Right? Yeah, they they kind of they had a little dip in the mid eighties, but uh, yeah, I, this was definitely a solid team with some fun playoff things. You know, the Sonics in eighty nine, they're forty seven and thirty five. You know, uh, key players outside of McKee, they got Dale Ellis, uh, they got Michael Cage, who the Clippers were like, yeah, we don't really like you, so we don't like good players. We're just going to give you the Sonics, Nate McMillan, uh, Xavier McDaniel, Alton Lister. You know, so so some good players, some fun players there. Um, and like I said, right on the cusp of you know getting um, Gary Payton and uh, and Sean Kemp, and you know, and, and then becoming you know kind of the, the really well known teams they had in the nineties. But um, you know, this is Game Four of the series. Um, you know, evenly matched teams. The, the Rockets forty five to thirty seven, similar record, similar you know quality team. They have uh, you know Hakeem Olajuwon, obviously superstar, uh, surrounded by you know some some solid but not necessarily spectacular players. I mean, they're the other. Best players probably Otis Thorpe. They do have Sleepy Floyd, who's known for some playoff heroics. Uh, getting a little bit older there. Uh, yeah, Mike Woodson. Um, I forgot Mike Woodson kind of uh, ended up uh, having a late career, uh, you know, uh, stint with the Rockets. And then uh, a player I was not familiar with, uh, Buck Johnson. And this you may or may not realize that this is not, of course, you know, Magic Johnson, whose nickname is also. Buck. He did not spend one year with the Houston Rockets and decided <laughs> to go by his yeah. other nickname. Yeah, um, I, I, that may be a surprise to you, Rich. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, when I saw Buck Johnson, I'm like, oh, he means Magic Johnson, of course, but right, no, that, is course. Not, that is not the case. So. Right. Yes, Alfonso Buck Johnson Jr. He uh, played seven seasons in the NBA with the Rockets and the Bulls. He also played 13 additional years uh, across the world. Uh, so, um, Maccabi Tel, Tel Aviv, um, the Birmingham Magicians, uh, <laughs> the Wichita Falls Texans, kind of a, a wide range of uh, teams uh, across the world. But, yeah, he had quite the uh, story career, played at Alabama. Uh, not, a, not a whole lot else uh, here, but uh, in terms of we – did, we did not dig too deeply into uh, Alfonso Johnson Jr., but uh, just uh, cer- certainly a noteworthy name here. Absolutely, and, and this is a uh, this is an era of the Rockets that we have done a, a show about many – probably – few years ago at this point where uh you know people like similarly how people kind of forget the sonics were like pretty good before kemp and payton people also forget that like the rockets were in turmoil in like certain hakeem eras this they're still kind of on the they're a little kind of riding the high of of you know uh making the finals uh you know a few years prior and they're still kind of riding the high of hey this hakeem guy he's really great he's he's got everything together it's going to come in another year or so where people are going to say and 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 we found exact like clips and quotes and all this sort of stuff of like you know hey i don't know if this guy's the real deal i don't know if this guy can lead us to titles and hakeem is kind of like hey i don't know if i want to be here this town kind of sucks or I'm kind of done. and all of it gets washed away obviously in 94 and 95 when he wins those back-to-back titles and then it's like oh Hakeem and Houston and it was dead and and it's it, it is kind of funny that yeah this this weird period where like things are not going great like they're still doing okay 
But there is a lot of questions of, is this the guy that is going to lead us to, to NBA Finals? Is this the guy that's going to be you know the man for our team? And Hakeem, you know, similarly on his side, thinking, hey, is this where I want to spend the rest of my career uh, in Houston playing for the Rockets? And, like, yeah, it, it would become very obvious by 94, 95 that, that, that he would be a legend in that team and that, that you know, it would all work out. But uh, it is funny that there is that time period, and, and, and we're, we're not there just yet in 1989, but we're approaching it pretty soon. Where, where it looks like there's a breakup about to happen between Hakeem and, and, and Houston. Sure, yeah. Like I said, they were definitely kind of perennially disappointing. I mean, yeah, they had some you know, solid seasons. They had some you know kind of disappointing seasons, but they, you know, having a great player like Hakeem Olajuwon, you know, there's kind of an expectation, hey, you're going to be a 50-plus win team every season if you put anything decent around him, and they were kind of not really doing that. And obviously things would get settled later, but as you mentioned, it, it got very close to them kind of just, you know, moving away from my game and just starting over. And obviously that would have been a bad decision. So luckily they didn't do that, but uh, back to the Sonics and uh, Derek McKee in particular, you know, you think of Derek McKee and you probably think like, Oh yeah, he was defensive specialist, you know, really a uh, great solid player for the, Pacers in the mid to late nineties, but yeah, he actually, yeah, he had some scoring chops early on in um, his career. You know, this season, um, you know, he averaged 15.9 points per game, which was uh, the, the most he ever uh, averaged in the league. He'd been in the league a couple of years drafted um, by the Sonics ninth overall pick in the 87 draft ahead of uh, guys like Reggie Miller, Horace Grant, uh, Reggie Lewis. So, um, you know, I mean, you know, ended up having this out career, probably uh, you would have rather had, he probably would have rather had Reggie Miller than Derek McKee. Sure, maybe, but, sure. Um, but yeah, you, you know, definitely, um, you know, had a, had a good solid long career. Um, and yeah, you know, in this game, you know, the Sonics actually, they were up by nine, six minutes to go, but the Rockets, you know, came charging back. By the way, this is game four of the series. So uh, the Rockets on the brink of elimination, the um, Sonics are up two to one. Uh, and then, yeah, seven seconds left. Sleepy Floyd uh, finds Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson, top of the key. Mike Woodson, he's about to have his moment. It's he it. the ball. <laughs> he launches the three. He's and open. Then, and then, yeah, it's nothing. Literally nothing. But Purvis Short's there. Purvis Short, you know, uh, grabs the rebound, then sends the pass wide open. Sleepy Floyd hits a three to tie the game with just one second remaining. Sleepy Floyd doing it again in the playoffs, you know, obviously known for like that incredible performance against the Lakers just a few years later, you know, breaking up playoff quarter scoring records and scoring more than 50 in a playoff game against the Lakers. Sleepy Floyd delivering in the clutch. You, you, you think clutch, you think sleepy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the name does not fit the, uh, uh, or maybe it does. Maybe he's just like yeah. he's always like, ah, whatever, man. What's what's the game? One second left. I'll I'll hit the shot. It's fine. Whatever. He, like, he wakes he he wakes up when it's playoff time. Right. Or he wants yeah. to go to bed. So he's just like, let's just end this game. Right. Let's end let's this game. Let's end yeah. this series. Yeah. I'm sleepy. I, I want to go to bed. I so, yeah. Like, I'm going to hit the yeah. shot if you guys need to. But uh, yeah, this is a right. it's an interesting play because yeah, you have Sleepy Floyd who seems like the type of guy, and, and it's clear that Seattle knows that Sleepy Floyd is, is is a good clutch player. So they kind of blitz him. They're like, no, do not let Sleepy Floyd get a shot. Leaving Mike Woodson, I mean, so open. It's unbelievable right. how open Mike Woodson is on this play. And he, you know, like you said, he's like, oh, baby, Mike, it's our time. He launches it, and my man is short by, like, five feet. It's not even right. – it's not good. It's not good right. at all. But thankfully, Purvis Short, who was, uh, you, know, you know, blitzing, you know, the, the baseline, comes up. Grabs it, right place, right time. Grabs the air ball, sends it to Sleepy Floyd. Sleepy hits the three. Pandemonium. Uh, it's an incredible moment here for, for for Sleepy Floyd, who was a really good three-point shooter. 
uh, as well in these early days. You know, he's six in the NBA, uh, 37.3% from three. Uh, in 1989 and in his career yeah. obviously the attempts are not going to be very high because it is you know the the nba <laughs> and at this era and, and the era right. that he played uh, only 1.73 point attempts per uh, per game but 30 32.4 uh, percent uh, overall but that 1989 really stands i mean 37.3 yeah. on 3.6 i mean that's you know that's well i should clarify the the attempts were six in the nba oh i'm so sorry three, i'm sorry, sorry. 3.6 attempts <laughs> it was the sixth in the nba which just you know illustrates of course how much the uh league has changed but yeah that's obviously you know 38 percent. that's a i didn't look up where that ranked in the league but that's certainly a very high percentage um you know, for that time that's a great percentage even today so that's a great percentage for that amount of shots you get getting put up especially in in, in, in 1989 yeah. for sure so yeah that, that's sure. that's cool yeah. yeah that's cool we always talk about how it's it's funny how the three point. I mean, people do not remember how long it took like people to actually start hitting three pointers, and it it literally took them like moving the line up and saying, "Okay, here you go," and then people did it, and then they moved the line back, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, that's stupid. Let's not do that anymore." And then it took like another ten years until people started hitting threes. It's 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 pretty remarkable how uh, uh how the uh, the three point shot uh, evolved in the NBA. But yeah, Sleepy Floyd did it. Yeah. One second remaining. Uh, I don't know why this is on our list because that's not a buzzer beater, Jason. So I don't know. Oh, um, I don't know how no. Derek McKee gets involved in this, but all right, go ahead. Right. Well, I, I you know, I guess uh, our, you know, our good friend Nate McMillan, you know, coach of America's team right now, um, he uh, inbounded the ball and he found Derek McKee on the block, and McKee just rises up, um, puts the ball in into the ba- in, and puts it right into the basket. Like uh, you know, everyone was. Um, was really drawn to Dale Ellis was thinking like, Oh yeah, Dale Ellis, he's their go-to guy. He's going to take the shot. He's going, Akeem even is going out to chase him and they pretty much leave the uh, interior alone. And then, yeah, he just, you know, he, McKee just, you know, insane athleticism just jumps and gets the ball and just perfect timing. Absolutely incredible. And then right, right there, just, you know, a really understated reaction, basically just slaps his hands together once and that's it. Seattle runs into the, into the tunnel, onto the second round. You know, all uh, good, exciting things, and they're going to take on the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm, I'm sure it's going to go really well for them. <laughs> they're going to you know? definitely uh, yeah. do well in that series, I think, for sure. Right. I'm not even going to bother looking it up because I'm sure, you know, <laughs> they yeah they advance further. They probably even made the finals. Well, the 89 too. Lakers didn't have magic, as we as we preface there. Well, right. One-year yeah. soaring yeah. into Houston. So that's <laughs> yeah, uh, it's really weird that Buck, that Buck Johnson was just, you know, kind of on the bench for the Rockets. Like, maybe you could have used him yeah. in the game. I don't know. That's That seems like a weird decision but maybe yeah go with Mike Woodson why not absolutely know? yeah but it's, it's yeah. a really cool play here that, that, that McKee does it's it's one of the uh Nate McMillan smartly realizes hey we got one second here like if I yeah. inbound it to Dale Ellis like that might not go well but Houston obviously right. thinking oh man well Dale Ellis is gonna get this ball and launch a shot immediately sure. and right. very smart by Seattle it feels like the type of play that they would do in practice every so often it'd just be like hey sure. what I'm gonna do is from the midcourt I'm gonna throw it near the basket you're gonna jump and try to put it in and they do it, and it's awesome. And it, it, it's like a legit one-second play. You know what I mean? Not really. Is it Derek? You know, Derek Fisher. You know, we'll talk about that. But like this one is legit. Like, yeah, this gets done in one. I mean, from from the time it's launched in the air to the time Derek McKee touches it, it, it it's only about a second and a half or something like that. So it's really really oh, cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, and 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 yeah, just awesome play by McKee, and it just totally catches Houston off guard, uh, and and Seattle moves on to the next round. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Houston, yeah, they would, well, you know, they would, this was their second straight exit in the first round that would happen four years in a row. Oof. Uh, they missed the playoffs in 92. Then finally, you know, the things would turn around once they hired, 
Ritam Janovic and, um, you know, upgraded the roster a little bit. But yeah, this was definitely, you know, Houston was kind of stuck in no man's land after, you know, having so much promise with, uh, you know, with uh, with Samson and Olajuwon making the 86 finals and all that good stuff. But like I said, things would eventually uh, turn around for them. But, you know, rough uh, period for Rockets. I mean, yeah, not that, you know, making the playoffs is certainly fine. But, you know, given what you have in Akeem, you feel like, you know, should have done more. All right. Ready for our next uh, buzzer beater here? I am totally ready. I'm excited about this. I'm sure right. it happened like way later. I'm sure there's like a long period of time between buzzer beaters. You're, and you're absolutely you know, right. You're absolutely yeah, right. Because sure. Derek McKee, right. uh, May 5th, 1989. This one, you have to wait all the way to two more days until May 7th, 1989. Ah, which May is 7th. It's a long yeah. time. I mean, 48 hours. is that's yeah. A lot can happen a lot in 48 can happen. hours. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and this man is uh, Michael Jordan, and he plays for the Chicago Bulls. And this is the Eastern no, Conference I, first I, round. I believe it, I believe it's pronounced Jordan. Jordan. Michael Jordan. Right. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yes, yeah. He's, he's uh-huh. Rodrigo Bobois. As a father, I believe is. is uh, <laughs> I believe so. Yes, <laughs> famed yeah. Dallas Maverick, Patrick Blah Blah. Uh, sure, I believe sure. His, his father, Jordan. Uh, Michael Jordan. But uh, right. yeah, uh, 1989, uh, two days after Derek McKee, Eastern Conference first round, Game Five. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, this is the one. This is the one we're talking about here. You probably right. know what we're doing yeah. here. Uh, third yeah. seeded Cavaliers. They finished the season 57 and 25. Uh, setting a franchise high and, and ties for the second best record in the NBA. Uh, the Cavaliers have three All-Stars this year. Mark Price, Brad Doherty, and Larry Nance all selected to the 1989 uh, NBA All-Star game. They're set to do battle with the six-seeded Chicago Bulls in the first round. I mean, obviously, Cavaliers the higher seed. This should go well. Uh, this is the first round, uh, as we mentioned, in, in 1989 with uh, the, the Game 4. Again, these are five-game rounds. So this is the Game 5, the de- pivotal game, the, the, the decider game. Of the first round, uh, the Bulls they finished fifth in the Central uh, with a forty-seven and thirty-five record. Uh, Michael Jordan leads the league in scoring at thirty-two point five points per game. Uh, he is of course selected to the nineteen eighty-nine All Star Game, which makes sense. Uh, he would then finish second in MVP voting. Uh, he had won the uh, the award the year prior, but this year uh, he couldn't uh, couldn't take it away from. Uh, I, well, I don't want to name the name because it, it ruins one of our earlier jokes that we made. <laughs> so we'll just continue <laughs> to move on and act like we didn't right. do that. Uh, sure. It's a guy named J- Irvin Johnson. I think uh, the. Uh, Future yeah. Milwaukee Buck, big man. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that, it's that's that guy. Reasonable. I believe it's that right. Irvin Johnson, not the, uh, Irvin Johnson, sure. not the other yeah. Irvin Johnson. Uh, anyway, this series, a uh, playoff rematch of last season's Eastern Conference first round series, in which, you guessed it, yes, the Bulls won the first, uh, best of five series three to two. Uh, the Cavaliers, though, they are ready this year. They're not going to let that happen again. They sweep the regular season games against the Bulls six to zero, uh, including, and this uh, it, it's fresh in their mind, a 90 to 84 victory in the final regular season game of the year and they rest four of their best players ron harper mark price brad doherty and larry nance in that game they're not even trying yeah. to win and they yeah. still beat this bulls team so i mean come on yeah, they've got it yeah they've <laughs> got this yeah this is no done problem. this is over so uh the series right. is tied two to two uh you need to win a game five here to advance in the series uh the pivotal game was cl- it's closed most of the game and even more so towards the end of the game is there's six lead changes in the final few minutes of regulation this, unfortunately forgotten in this moment, is that Craig Elo, Cavaliers guard Craig Elo, yeah. he gives his squad the 199 lead with three seconds left, goes bam, my moment in the sun, maybe. Everybody will remember the name Craig Elo for putting Michael yeah. Jordan and the Bulls away. But no, as you know, you know Craig Elo from another thing. Jordan sure. takes the inbound pass, creates space over Elo, hits it, 
the iconic fall line jumper at the buzzer. 101-100 Bulls. Michael Jordan pumps his fist. He's happy. Guys are screaming. It's incredible. Craig Elo in another great moment, unfortunately. He falls to the floor. He just, like, his body loses all ability to stand. It's just, like, it's so heartbreaking. And, and God, it's played a nine trillion times over and over and over again. But it, it's just Craig Elo being like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, I just did it. I just hit the shot. Like, what the hell? Why did this guy do this? And, uh... It's yeah. over. Jordan finishes the game with 44 points on 17 of 32 shooting. Uh, Bulls coach Doug Collins, who would be fired, by the way, pretty soon uh, right. after this. But uh, hey, you know what? He <laughs> has his moment in the sun yeah. here. So, right. uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's actually pretty interesting how this how this was shot production-wise. But uh, Bulls right. coach Doug, uh, Doug Collins, when asked what the play was, he said the play was, quote, uh, that was the get the ball to Michael and everybody get the expletive, uh, expletive out of the way. So get the fuck out of the way. It's what yeah. uh, uh, Doug was saying there, which is not a bad play for the uh, 1989 Chicago Bulls. So just, it was know. a play they ran a lot. Yes, so. <laughs> they did it a yes. lot during the last, uh, yeah. the subsequent uh, few years, but yeah, but, especially yeah. in 89 and, uh, and 88, they said, yeah. you know what? Yeah. <laughs> the rest of you guys are not very good. So why don't you get the ball to Michael yeah. Jordan and walk away? So honestly, I feel like they maybe should have given it to Brad Sellers, but that's just me. You know, right, right. Rory Sparrow probably yeah. should have got a touch right. too. So yeah, maybe, maybe that would have been good. You know, but uh, and, that did not happen anyway. So the Bulls, of course, uh, they win this series. They go on to the East Finals, where they are eliminated by the Detroit Pistons uh, in six games. But uh, the lasting image of this moment is obviously Jordan's, you know, crazy celebration here. The leap into the air as Elo falls to the ground in, in despair. Uh, the scene has be- become a part of, I mean, we all know this. I mean, you can close your eyes sure. and you've seen that you know exactly how it looks and exactly what's going on. But what's weird, though, is it was not shown to viewers as part of the televised game. It was on a CBS broadcast uh, with Dick Stockton and Hubie Brown. I love the idea that Dick's, that's Hubie Brown is still kicking all these years later. He's, you know, he's the CBS guy then. He's still doing games this day. I love Hubie Brown. But um, anyway, CBS never aired this replay during the game telecast, nor was Jordan's celebration caught by the sideline press box camera used for most of the action. Instead, when this thing happens, fancy, which is another thing that that, that is shown in the clip as well, Sure. Fancy the celebration of, of Doug Collins running onto the court, just looking for somebody to hug. Like he's just right. Doug Collins just runs on the court. He's just running around aimlessly, just like somebody hug me, somebody hug me. This is amazing. This is incredible. Uh, then you see, you know, Phil Jackson, uh, in, in you know, very in, in in some symbolism here. Doug Collins kind of walking, running past you know Phil Jackson to celebrate with his team as Phil's about to go and take his job yeah. here in a few right. minutes. Right. That's, that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so but, I, I I have something to, I'd like to mention here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's very. It's very CBS to focus on the coach rather than the player. Of course, and, yes. Like, Especially like, when it's Michael freaking Jordan. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> that, that, that's very CBS to to do that. We've talked about the, some of the CBS broadcasts, more like 70s and early 80s. But, uh, yeah, very, very much to do that. And, you know, granted, like what Collins was doing was also like pretty exciting, interesting. Like, I, you know, in, in the moment, uh, I mean, yeah, you focus on Michael Jordan, obviously, in retrospect. But in the, in the moment, I, I can at least see – like oh wow you know you the you you what Doug Collins was doing was unusual what Jordan was doing was unusual so um you know uh, it, what Collins was doing was worth noting but yes not ahead of what Michael Jordan was doing no 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 and that yeah you're right that was obviously definitely a CBS thing is is, is CBS right. loved coaches and 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 they loved <laughs> like yeah, focusing they, on, they, on that aspect of yeah of the game which you know I sometimes was fine it was fine in like the early 80s when like you were still trying to establish these stars but I think by this point like you know maybe just focus on Michael Jordan sorry he's like 
Ben an MVP. He's like already like an iconic star. Like I don't know, maybe put the camera on Michael Jordan. I, I don't know. That's just that's just me. But yeah, ins insanely that uh, that sh original shot that is now so iconic and used everywhere was was not even shown on the normal broadcast. So uh, pretty good stuff right. there. But as we said, the uh, 1989 playoffs, uh, Jordan averages 34.8 points per game, 7.6 assists, seven rebounds, and two steals, uh, 2.5 steals per game in 17 games. Of course, it's not good enough. They lose to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, the Bulls decide, ah, let's try something different here. This isn't working with Doug Collins. Uh, they promote his assistant, Phil Jackson, to head coach following the season. They do another seven-game series loss or another uh, loss in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, to the Pistons and then finally break through in 1991 uh, and win their first uh, NBA championship. Uh, this, the Cavs, ah, the poor Cavs. So this this would um, just stab them in the heart a little bit. They would fall to 42-40 and 40 the following season, still limp into the playoffs. The next year they would fall below 500, but as we and we did a series about this, or we, we talked about this Cavaliers team on uh, an episode about a year or so ago, is that after this brief period where it feels like, oh man, this is done, these Cavs are this this is over with this unit, this this crew's not going to happen. They do return to the playoffs and they win back to back 50 point game or 50 game seasons in in 92 and 93, uh, but well, unfortunately we're not done with them in this. Uh, Multiple part series here. We'll uh, unfortunately get to that <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, I hate to say it, Cavs fans, but uh, we will we will check in with you guys uh, in a few years in the Eastern Conference semifinals. So, For sure, sorry, sure, yeah, uh, you know, well, it's the same know? guy, it's the same player, hey. same team. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. It's, it's us. Yeah, hey, it's Michael. You know? It's Michael right. crushing you uh, again. Mikael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. he uh, really. Nice. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was pretty good. Yeah, particularly against the Cavs, yeah. That's uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, yeah. guys. Hey, hey LeBron. Yeah. yeah, you got you guys came back from three one. Stop your complaining. You know, right? Yeah. Yes. But anyway, nineteen eighty nine playoffs. Those wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, that's that's some good stuff. Absolutely. Um. Uh, so next week we move on to uh, more recent times, uh, and we're gonna fast forward to twenty fourteen. The uh, Western Conference first round, and it is going to be the uh, Trailblazers and our, our good friends, the Houston Rockets. I'm sure, yeah, things are going to go better for the Houston Rockets this time. They're not going to get they're not going to get beaten again. No. I mean, come on, no, you know they're they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be cursed. No, it's um, it is the three seated Blazers versus. Uh, I'm sorry, no, I'm looking at the wrong notes here. What were the uh, what was the seed here? I, I'm, I'm let's. Uh, Go back real quick. Sorry, we can edit this out. Yeah. All right the the five seated Blazers versus the four seated Rockets. We are in Game Six, a tightly contested series between the two teams. The um, Blazers top players. Uh, we've got a uh, we got a young Damian Lillard, who we'll be talking more about here, is involved in some pretty important playoff moments. We still have Lamarcus Aldridge. We got Nicholas Batum. We got Wes Matthews. We got Robin Lopez. Uh, we got Mo Williams uh, on the, making an um, appearance there. I kind of forgot about the Mo Williams um, Blazers experience. Um, meanwhile, on the Rockets, we've got James Harden and Dwight Howard. You know what a what a pair of uh, personalities uh, that was for uh, for the Rockets. We also got Chandler Parsons. Remember him? I do. Um, I do remember Chandler Parsons. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, I think uh, he's still getting paid like $20 million a year. Right. Like, probably, is that finally yeah. done? Like, cause there was the weird period where everybody was like, ah, we need to pay Chandler Parsons a lot of money. And he's we like, Hey, do. I'm hurt. And then someone was like, Hey, you know what? We're still going to pay Chandler Parsons. Like, yeah. he's like, Hey, I can't really play. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Here, yeah. you want a new contract? Yeah. And he's like, I yeah. really haven't even played in the last contract for sure. Like, yeah. You know? hey. 
Hey, good for yeah. Go get that paper, man. Get that paper. Hey, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We and we've got uh, we got Omar Ashik. We've got Patrick Beverly. We got Jeremy Lin. Coming yeah. Oh, this is here. during the, the the Rockets period of the uh, the uh, uh, like the bubble contracts or what? What was the term that was used? Oh shit, I forgot what it was called. Because like Jeremy Lin oh. and Omar Ashik were they were paid like. Two million dollars their first year, like two million dollars the second year, and right. then like nineteen million dollars in the third year of the contract. It was some some weird thing that Daryl Morey was doing at this time, which which eh, it ended up eh, it got them some pretty good players, but I don't know if it ended up working in the long term. So yeah, no, I hear you. Yes, so so back to Damian Lillard, of course. Um, you know, this is May second, twenty fourteen, and uh, you know Lillard, not really like super. Um, you know, touted, uh, you know, coming in college, he, he, he played for, um, Weber state in Utah, member of the big sky conference. Everyone loves the big sky conference, of course, but, um, did really well in college, skipped a senior year, entered the NBA draft. Um, he was drafted six overall and pretty much like, you know, was, was great. You know, um, from the beginning was the only the fourth unanimous rookie of the year after Blake Griffin, David Robinson and Ralph Sampson. Uh, also joined Oscar Robertson and Allen Iverson, the only rookies in NBA history to have 1,500 points and 500 assists for a season. And then really, you know, his second year, um, which, which is what we're here, 2014, you know, made his first All-Star game, helped Portland finish with 54 wins, their best record since 2009. And, you know, and, and Portland had had, I mean, They've had a lot of unfortunate luck in their uh, franchise history, but, you know, they were, they you know, had just kind of come off an era that was expected to be centered by Brandon Roy and Greg Oden as like, you know, possibly, you know, a really strong championship level era. And then unfortunately injuries fell both those guys, but they were able to kind of, you know, they had some good fortune with getting, um, with getting little where they got him. And then, um, you know, were able to tally, you know, a really good, uh, you know, a really good run over the last, uh, you know, six, seven years now. So, um, yes. And then in the meantime, you know, again, Houston Rockets, um, you know, Dwight Howard had actually, this is was his first season with the team, you know, the shocking people leaving Los Angeles, um, coming to the Rockets, obviously expectations were high. And, and, you know, despite winning 54 games, you know, obviously really good record, um, yeah, Harden and Dwight didn't really seem to gel. Uh, you know, the coach was Kevin McHale, which you know <laughs> probably that, didn't help matters that much. Yeah, yeah. no, um, yes, and uh, you know, and, and this is really you. Know, you look back at this, a really all-time great se- series. I mean, the the margins here. Game one is two points. Game two is seven points. Game three is five points. Game four is three points. And then game five is 10 points. The only, you know, margin that's uh, double digits. Um, you know, these are all really close games. There's three overtimes in this series, which, uh, you know, is, um, is, is pretty incredible. Um, and, you know, the trailblazers had just had a really, you know, as a franchise that had emotional loss, um, Patrick Jack Ramsey, you know, of course, the former coach led them to the 1977 championship. He died just days prior to game to the pivotal game six. So a lot of just emotions, I'm sure, with the franchise and, and the crowd and everything. And yeah, we're, um, you know, the, the Blazers are down by two, nine tenths of a second left. And Lillard just, you know, gets the inbounds pants, pass and very coolly hits the buzzer beating three, uh, winning the series four to two. Um, you know, the, the shot becomes known by Blazers fans as 
0.9 with 0.9 seconds left. The first franchise playoff series win in 14 years, which is uh, you know kind of surprising because you know again the, the Blazers have generally been a good franchise. Yeah, um, they were good during most that of that time, time. <laughs> yeah, right? They were like exactly. Pretty good a lot of that yeah. time, just yeah, not good enough to win a. Yeah, that that boggled my mind when I saw that stat. I was like, right. really? And I was like, I got to double check. And I'm like, oh, no shit, <laughs> that's true. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, again, that's pretty, um, they're just pretty, pretty shocking right there. So, yeah, and then Amit really cements his reputation for just, you know, Damian Lillard being a, a, a big shot player, a guy who just comes up in the big moments and, uh, you know, really delivers uh, the big time. And, um, you know, and then, yeah, right after the play, like, you know, uh, you know, the motor center's going crazy. Everyone's excited. He actually grabs the PA make and said, and yells rip city, you know, just a really like incredible moment of, you know, just engaging the crowd and, and the energy. It's just definitely, um, you know, some exciting stuff. And then, you know, Lowe's quote afterwards, like, Hey, that's definitely the biggest shot of my life. And then we'll pause so far. So, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe you have a bigger one. Who knows? Yeah. We'll find out. That seems awfully presumptuous, Damien. Yeah. But, uh... Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe, on April maybe. 23rd, 2019, you may have done right. a very similar thing here as yeah. we move on to the Western Conference first round. Uh, the third seed versus the sixth seed. Uh, your 2019 Blazers versus your 2019 Thunder. And gosh darn it, Damian Lillard was right. He would do it again here. Dame time part two, April 2019, as we said. Again, Western Conference first round. This one is even more of a franchise-altering play. Uh, not as much for the Blazers, but God, so much so for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, this seems like so long ago, given what's happened to the Thunder since then. But we'll, we'll, we'll kind of discuss how this uh, pretty much ended the dynasty, in, in, or, or pseudo-dynasty, or ended this run, or whatever you want to say uh, about it. But this is an absolute franchise-altering uh, uh, play uh, by Damian Lillard here. So... Uh, in 2019, uh, Lillard and the Blazers seemed determined to uh, kind of work things through and kind of get through. You know, they, they had made five straight playoffs by 2019, but they only reached the semifinals twice and never yet reached the conference semifinals. So they're looking this year to kind of okay, let's let's get this thing under control. Let's get let's go. Uh, Lillard, uh, his running mate CJ McCollum, uh, are are still there. They're still good. What's cool about this year, though, the Blazers have one of the best offenses in the league. They're third in offensive rating as well, so they really kind of overpower. They really kind of put a charge into the the, the, the you know the offense and thinking, okay, that's going to lead us through here. And they're matched up in the first round with the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a very different Thunder team than years past, though. Obviously, uh, Kevin Durant, a few years prior, had left for Golden State. Uh, the Thunder and Russell Westbrook did the solo star thing, and... and uh, Eh, didn't quite work. I mean, hey, Russell Westbrook won an MVP, and it was fun, and he got triple-doubles and all that sort of stuff, but the team realized, okay, we're probably not going to win with Reggie Jackson and Russell Westbrook uh, as our two best players. So they build a super team, kind of. Uh, in 2018, uh, the team brings both Paul George and Carmelo Anthony in to join an already pretty talented team featuring Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams, Andre Roberson, and some other solid rotation pieces. Uh, needless to say, the Carmelo Anthony uh, and Thunder thing did not work very well. Uh, they were eliminated in the first round by the Utah Jazz. Uh, in 2019, they decide, okay, we're done with the Carmelo thing. That's done. But they decide, hey, we got a good thing here in Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and the rest of this team. And they do that. Uh, Russell Westbrook has a great year. He averages a triple-double. Uh, Paul George scores 28 points per game that season. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, Stephen Adams, Jeremy Grant uh, round out a really talented and, and still pretty young Thunder team uh, as well that looks to get out of the first round. And then, well... This game happens. So the Blazers win the first uh, 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 three games of the series. Oklahoma City wins game three. The Blazers win game four. Then Lillard, oh, in game five, sticks a dagger in their hearts. In game five of the 2019 yeah. Western Conference Finals, 
he hits a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer from 36 feet away. Yeah. Paul George guards him as good as you could possibly. I mean, he's guarding him from basically half court thinking, all right, <laughs> no, this guy's not making a, a, a 35 plus foot three-pointer over me. I'm not letting it happen. And goddamn it, it still happened because uh, Paul George tries like hell to do it. Uh, Damon Lillard launches the shot at about 1.4 seconds and it goes in. The second series clinching shot of Damian Lillard's career. career. Uh, Damian Lillard waves goodbye to the Thunder bench after nailing the shot, which is just an awesome That's moment. It's so, so cool. Little did he yeah. know, like literally, like all those, like, most of those guys would, like, quite literally, be gone from the team uh, pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, the, the wave right. is incredible. Uh, they, you know, the Thunder talked a lot of shit. We'll talk about it. They talk shit even after the series as well. So this, this, this right. felt a little special for Lillard and, and the Blazers, but. Um, Anyway, Lillard does that. He he waves to the crowd. Then he gets promptly mobbed by his teammates. You also see uh, it's a very iconic shot as well, where he looks into the camera and kind of nods. Like they've used that in, in, in commercials over and over again. As he's as he's getting mobbed by his teammates, then he has a moment to look up and, and look directly at the the TV camera and just kind of like nod, like "Yep, I did that. <laughs> this is it. We did that." But uh, an awesome moment. It, what better that it happens both times in front of the Portland crowd as well. Because they just go absolutely nuts both times. It's, it, it, right. it's super, super cool. But uh, anyways, the Thunder leaving the floor. Uh, Lillard circles the court. High fives fans. The crowd chants MVP. Uh, Damon Lillard says it was a great feeling when it left my hands. It felt good. Uh, some other stats in this game. Lillard has 10 three-pointers in this game. That breaks the Portland franchise record. Uh, and he ends up with 50 points in the game. Uh, 34 points uh, in the first half. And then, as I said, the Thunder were, were pretty uh, pretty yappy throughout the series. And Paul <laughs> George, after this shot, this is a, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you decide, Jason, what you think of, of this, if this is a, uh, a good quote or a bad quote from one Paul George. So he says, quote, that's a bad shot. Uh, or, sorry, that's a bad, bad shot. I don't care what anybody says. That's a bad shot. But, hey, he made it. That story won't be told that it was a bad shot. We live with that. Seems a little sour grapes. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like. I mean. It was a pretty, like, the thing is, I mean, George definitely, you know, obviously he was, he was tracking him, but he wasn't like, there was definitely some space there that Lillard was able to create because George probably wasn't quite as close to him as, you know, he ideally would have been. I mean, obviously he was afraid of, um, of him driving. So I, I, I can see where, you know, if he's thinking at that point, well, this is a bad shot. He won't take it from here. Then that was obviously a mistake. And, And right. We're, you know, this is just a, a you know a couple years ago now, but we're still I think I think the mentality in the league has changed over the past two or three years about you know extending the range. Obviously, Steph being a big part of that, and Lord both being a, a big part of that about like hey, these guys are now starting to take like even deeper three pointers, you know, more routinely. Um, and so I mean, it's it's not a bad shot if you can make it, you know, a, a, a decent percentage of the time, and you know, Lillard and. Steph and Trey Young and those guys, you know, are, are able to do that. So, I don't have yeah, the exact, I, I would say, yeah, I don't have the exact name of the guy, but there, there's a quote of a Portland trainer uh, saying that before the game and throughout this entire series, Lillard was taking shots from 35 feet just to right. see, like, hey, can I do this? And little by little, he started getting better and better at him. So every day he'd come right. to, the, you know, come to the arena and he'd sure. take these 35 footers. And this, you know, the trainer says, man. One of these is going to happen, and you're going to make this shot. And Damon's like, eh, yeah, maybe, man. I'm hitting them like pretty easily. And and yeah, yeah. And maybe in you know 2015 it would have been kind of ridiculous. But I feel like in 2019, I mean, how many times we see Steph Curry pull up from like the logo and <laughs> make shots by 2019? Like we had we already seen that quite a few times. So yeah, I, like it's a bad shot in like for like me to do. <laughs> like I don't think like yeah or like right. certain yeah. players. But I, I think at this time, Damon Lillard and for Steph Dave? Curry yeah. and some of your other guys have sort of established. Right. 
that it's not as bad as you would think for them. And, and I mean, Paul George, I mean, he doesn't need to really say because he did great defense. He could just say, hey, I defended sure. that as well as you can defend the shot, and he still made it. So, you know what? Whatever. Yeah. Like, right. I think that's a way better way to say it than, like, that's a bad shot because it's, it's, it's not really a bad shot for someone yeah. like Damian Lillard who makes – shots from that distance you know semi-frequently so sure yeah no it's interesting because it kind of like um yeah yeah it, it, it's just really yeah paul george's kind of, yeah it, it kind of cemented you know like paul george has had an interesting relationship with the playoffs because he's had some really big moments where he's done really well and then he's had some you know major moments of disappointment and uh you know then he kind of got that playoff p reputation and then when he did the disappointing times um you know then people kind of made fun of him for being playoff p and then saying something like this also adds to like oh yeah playoff p ha ha, ha. of course the playoffs that are happening right now he's going the other way and playing really well and you know advancing the clippers to the conference finals for the first time so um but yeah, this is just sort of like a you know, Paul George just kind of says things sometimes, and you just kind of be like, yeah, okay, you take it in stride and and be whatever. But um, it, is, it is kind of interesting, and yeah, it, like uh, this moment basically ended Russell Westbrook's career on the Thunder, and and, and sent you know Paul George sent packing. Um, of course, you know thanks to you know five draft picks being offered by the uh, Clippers in a, uh, a as a way of getting Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, but in a way, this basically ended you know this era of the Thunder franchise. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild. So like by by you know 2019, 2020, or, or 2019, uh, yeah, 2020, which seems like <laughs> it was 19 years ago, but uh, was actually just last year. Uh, that team would win 44 games, but they would do so without Paul George or Russell Westbrook. Uh, that year's Thunder's team obviously would be led by Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Daniil Gallinari, and Chris Paul. So very, uh, uh, very, very different uh, uh, team there. But uh, yeah, it, it is, it is, it's, it was over for that. It was like, all right, this isn't going to work. Like Westbrook, you're gone. George, you're gone. We're rebuilding after years and years and years of, of it. Felt like the Thunder were anti-rebuild, and we're just like, no, no, no. We're just going to keep going with this unit. We're going to keep kind of adding pieces, adding pieces. Same time killed them, man. They were done. And, and, you know, obviously the Thunder have, have set themselves up for, you know, a, a, a very good future. Uh, but uh, this was the last moment, the last hurrah. Of, uh, like, really, you could say the last moment of that that first Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, dynasty run, whatever you want to call it, with Kevin Durant. And really, I mean, I mean, honestly, you can you can date it back to Kevin Durant, James Harden, and, and Russell Westbrook and making that finals. You know, it's a very young team right, uh, yeah. against the Le, uh, LeBron's Miami Heat or whatever. And, yeah, it, this is the final moment. And it's really that shot that they're just like, all right, fuck it. We're done. <laughs> like It's over. Yeah. It's just, we're, we're, we're done. We gotta, we gotta yeah. move on. We gotta do something different. So, so when sure. he waves goodbye, little does he know, he, he almost <laughs> quite literally waves goodbye to that franchise being good for the next, you know, four or five years, but Hey, they ended up being good sure. in 2019, 2020. But, uh, well, that's true. They did have one more year, you know, with obviously, you know, Chris Paul, um, you know, uh, Daniel Gallinari, um, you know, um, uh, SGA, you know, they definitely, um, that, yeah, and, and then, but now they're of course now they're rebuilding, but but yeah, it, it definitely like I said, it was definitely a swan song for an era, absolutely, and you know what a what an interesting uh, moment there, you know, something that I think um, if it's not iconic now is going to be one of those like you know iconic things that sort of like lives on for uh, a long time. Oh no doubt, yeah, no doubt, and, yeah. and a, a really cool moment, and, and again, like I said, it's just awesome that it happens, you know, in Portland both times because that's always a 
It's always right. a little bit of a bummer when you hit that game-winning shot on the road. I mean, it's cool, too, because yeah. you can do, like, the guys running to the tunnel and the fans getting all upset. But there's something right. special about just, like, that shot goes in and just, you know. Uh, yeah, obviously, the energy is completely different. Yeah, and the, right, right. And the ener- it's, it's obviously more exciting when it happens at home and everyone's happy. <laughs> That's, that feels better in some sure, way. If you're, sure, If you're neutral about the game, if you don't have a, any stakes in there yet, that definitely feels better when it's uh, in front of the home crowd. But. All right, cool. Well, this is uh, uh, this is part one. We'll put a pin in this one, and we will come back soon, and we will talk about some of the uh, series clinching buzzer beaters in the later rounds of the playoffs. So, uh, thanks everyone for checking us out. Um, you can find us at uh, the Step Back at fansided.com. Uh, you can also find us uh, all of our shows if you go to overandbacknba.com. Uh, you can, uh, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. And if there's one that you love and you want us to be on there, we will definitely work on getting added to there. You can uh, send us any feedback you want to. We're on Twitter and Facebook. Both of those are at Over and Back NBA. So uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back soon. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.